advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grampiche. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're saying hello already to Michelle. So excited to be here. Good morning, Dr. Grampiche. Good morning, everyone. Nice to be here again with you all. We're thrilled to have you here with us. And we're going to get started with questions with Dr. Grampiche in just a second. We had such an overwhelming outpouring uh, last night. That, so I want to get right to questions. But first, I want to tell you that if you're watching us live, you're probably watching us on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, or on Facebook Live. And we want to encourage you to participate in those venues by writing into whatever, you know, the chat for those are that shows up here in real time. Good morning, Kelly and Christina. We're seeing that you're here joining us. Um, if you are watching us recorded, you're probably watching us on a variety of different ways that you can get a podcast. We try to be as on as many places as we can possibly be. And I want to look at all of those places, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Ghana, Amazon Music, which is brand new. Check it out. Um, Google Podcasts, Audible, Deezer, all of those places and more. And we encourage you to look wherever you watch your podcast, because chances are that we're there. If we're not, write to us and tell us. And Traven is amazing, so he will make every attempt to get us on that venue as well. I also want to let you know that if you're watching us in podcast version and you're like, I just heard something and I want to ask a question, um, but I don't know where to ask it, the best place to go to ask the question is autism-live.com. There is a chat button at the bottom. We do not man that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but when you write into the chat, it goes into my queue for the next time that we have, uh, for instance, Dr. Grampichet here. So I got a lot of questions last night um, and I see that we've got questions that are coming in. We're saying good morning to Kelly and Missy and Christina. Uh, but Dr. Grampichet is here. She's a true expert in the field of autism. This is such a privilege. Uh, almost every week we have an opportunity for her to be here and give you her thoughts about things for this hour. And we want to thank her for donating that time. She, as I said, true expert in the field of autism. In fact, a visionary in the field of autism. So it, we're so lucky to have her here with us. But I want to remind everybody that there is no expert in this forum of any kind who could give individual specific advice. So write in your question, be as specific as possible. I also love it when you tell us like where in the world you are because that keys us into where resources might be. Uh, but I know Dr. Grampiche really loves it when you give her as much detail as possible, but know that she's gonna answer your question in a general way. 
So did I get all that about in, Dr. Grampy-Shane? That was perfect, Shannon. Yes, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to trying to give some guidance today. There we go. I'm going to try really hard because next week we won't be here live with Dr. Grampy-Shane because of the impending holiday. So I'm going to try to get in as many questions as I can, and a lot came in overnight. So uh, let's start with a wonderful mama who wrote in, and I love that she calls her daughter my tiny human. I absolutely love that. And she was just recently diagnosed at 18 months. Uh, it's been a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, she's watching the show, Dr. Grampy Shea, and just adores you. And she had a couple of different questions. One that we asked Bonnie on Monday. Uh, but her question for you is about screen time, Dr. Grampy Shea. She plays the same screen or show over and over again. How bad is that? And how do I stop it? Do we need to stop it? She has 40 hours of ABA right now. They use the iPad and TV for reinforcements. And every time she has free time or a good behavior happens, she gets the iPad or TV. So is it okay that she's watching the same thing? Yeah, so that's a great uh, question. And it's one that has come up for a lot of parents right now, especially during the COVID uh, era. Um, you know, I, I would say this is something that uh, will be uh, corrected, I guess, as soon as you can try to do a, a full-time ABA program for her. Is it a, a girl or a boy, Shannon? I'm it's, a girl. it's a girl. And she current. I will say this, she currently has 40 hours Great. of ABA. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that it is not with a car, with card, although... She has said that she's trying to get started with card and leave the company that she's with. Okay. So, um, and, and the baby's just 18 months, which is amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, first of all, I should say a few things. Uh, one is I would, uh, love to see your little <laughs> myself, <laughs> first of all, secondly, um, 18 months, it's really hard to do a complete well, two years. It's very, very yeah, hard. Diagnosed at 18 months. Sorry to interrupt you. Diagnosed at 18 months. She's uh, almost two and a half now. Okay. It's really hard to do uh, 40 hours uh, with a two-year-old because they just get so tired um, quickly. But what I would do is I would definitely uh, uh, continue to do the 40 hours and not worry about what she's doing uh, outside of that because 40 hours is a really very huge amount of, of uh, work time, let's put it that way, for a two-year-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old. And if, she, if her biggest reward or reinforcer is screen time, then I would probably allow that. Um, and you always can attempt to broaden it, change it a little bit, uh, you know, like have her go on different uh, whatever she's looking at different channels or different, uh, you know, URLs. But I honestly am not too worried about that because the positive side is that she's working very hard and she's doing, you know, 40 hours of ABA. And I always say, Shannon, that if you're working really hard, your reinforcers need to be up there as well. And if this clearly screen time is a huge reward for her and i don't want to touch that you take that away the balance of things starts to get messed up you know so the more hours the higher the reinforcer so i would leave it alone for now and i always love that you you take into consideration the individual 
and yeah. what is the greater good for them. I always appreciate that. Uh, while we were on the subject of screen time, somebody said, I have a three-year-old male child that's having a meltdown when it's taken. Should the screen time be removed altogether or greatly limited for a three-year-old? Yeah. So, you, you know, like I said, Shannon, this, uh, it's amazing how many parents are kind of concerned about this. And I just, I, I guess I'll say a few things. Years ago, I would have said, hey, let's really limit screen time and try to get our kids to do other things and so on. But I, um, you know, having raised three children of my own, um, screen time is, is kind of part of the game now. It's not, it's not a necessarily an unusual thing for kids of different ages to spend a lot of time online. Uh, either their a lot of their social communication is online. A lot of the, uh, you know, in, I I remember the day when I told my kids, um, you know, before there was the internet, we used to go to the library and have to pull out an encyclopedia, and they all laughed at me because I thought they don't even know what an encyclopedia is, you know, <laughs> and um, it's Google now. So, uh, bottom line is it things have changed. So first of all, keep in mind that there's going to be more screen time for our kids than there was for us. That's rule number one. Rule number two is COVID is preventing our kids from, from doing a lot of the things they used to do, uh, going outside, playing with other kids, running around, I don't know, you know, just spending time with other kids. So obviously that's going to be filled with something else. And one of the safe things they do is screen time. So that's the second thing to consider. Now, that being said, um, there's no way I can tell you what's enough or not enough because I don't know how much other stuff your child is engaged in. What else are they doing? Obviously, it's too much if the child wakes up and gets online and is online all the way through the day. Um, and it's, uh, you know, so that's that's a given. But if you have, let's say, for a three-year-old, as long as they're doing a lot of the other activities, right, um, then like, for instance, let's say um, grooming themselves in the morning or having breakfast and giving you eye contact during breakfast, during lunch, during dinner, um, doing some school activities, doing some, or this is just three years old, so maybe playing in the backyard, uh, building things with their, uh, with their blocks, let's say, uh, communicating verbally, all these types of things, then I would say, I would be fine with, let's say for a three-year-old, one morning, like mid-morning session of screen time and one mid-afternoon session of screen time, let's say for an hour each. And then, so you decide, you decide what fits in with your lifestyle and don't make the decision based on, I don't want my child to fall apart and melt, have a meltdown. That, put that out of your mind. Just think if my, don't even, just think if your child didn't have a meltdown, what would you consider to be okay in terms of screen time? Every family is going to be different. So assume it's one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon and anything above that, then it doesn't matter. You take away the screen device and it does not matter if your child has a meltdown. 
Um, every child is going to initially have, an, uh, is going to object because you're taking away something that's very rewarding and fun and you're replacing it probably with something that's not as much fun or is a demand. So, you know, put away your iPad and I don't know, let's go do something else. And the child clearly prefers the iPad, right? So the response being a meltdown or a tantrum or whatever it is, is a normal response, right? So don't worry about that. Just don't give in and don't attend to it. So if you take away the iPad and you say, okay, now it's time for bath or, okay, it's dinner time. Um, and your child has a meltdown, pretend in your mind that the meltdown is not happening and just continue with your sequence of events. In other words, let's say it's dinner time and your child's having a meltdown. Uh, just ignore it, go sit down at dinner. I know this is hard and I know it just sounds ridiculous, but this is what you have to do. Um, sit down, have dinner with the rest of your family. When your child is quiet, then try to entice the child to come and have dinner or offer them dinner. Um, and you know what? It, it's going to be awful the first time you do it, awful probably the second time you do it, but three or four times the child will now start to, your child will start to understand that these tantrums, these meltdowns don't work anymore. They don't get me back more screen time. It doesn't matter how badly I tantrum or scream. They're not going to let me have the iPad except for these two times. I promise you, if you can endure it, it's a lesson that it will be very, very good. And your child will understand it within a week. So just keep, stay strong because that is the hardest thing. And I promise during that time when the child's having a meltdown, we go through all kinds of games in our own head. We, you know, we're like, Oh my God, am I like, is this the right thing to do? Maybe she didn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't know my child. Wow, what am I doing? I'm gonna, my child's, I'm, am I injuring my child? Am I damaging my child somehow? What should I do? Maybe I can just hold him. Maybe I can just give comfort. All of those things are just games that your head's playing with you. So don't do any of that stuff. Just go about your business as if nothing is happening. That's called extinction. That's ignoring that behavior as if it didn't happen. It'll get bad, but then eventually it'll go away. And then, and then you'll be on a two hour schedule. There you go. And just from the parent point of view, cause I know sometimes, well, we don't know what you know. So when you're talking about ignoring, we're not talking about picking the child up and dragging them to their bedroom and closing them in their bedroom to ignore them. We're talking about you're still setting the table and stepping over him while he's tantruming. And you're That's not right. talking to him saying, look, I'm stepping over you. See how I'm not paying attention to what you're doing, which, which is so hard as a parent because you want to be like, see, I'm not paying attention to you. That's not not paying attention. So we're still in the same room with them. We're still ensuring that they're safe. I will say as a parent, before you do this, make sure that you clean surfaces off so that your Aunt Betty's favorite glass pumpkin is not sitting on the coffee table while you're doing this because... They'll, they'll look for things to get your attention, right? Um, so you kind of clear your decks a little bit, but then you do, you just step over them. And I, I used to hum to myself and start singing a little song to occupy myself, but it, this does work. 
This works like crazy good works. Listen to the doctor. She knows what she's talking about. Okay. Uh, we got to get questions in. So uh, by the way, both of those caregivers said, thank you very much that they appreciated that Dr. Grampuche. Okay. How do I get my 10 year old son to be more interested in topics that he isn't interested in? He has trouble in certain subjects in school or taking part in conversations that aren't about things that he likes. Right. Great question. Very good question. And you have to, um, you know, so I can give you two different answers to this uh, so that it's, it's really works for you. So the, the first answer, like from a behavioral perspective, as a behaviorist, uh, I could just say, Hey, give him higher rewards for the things that he doesn't want to talk about. Right. So whenever, uh, first you would have to withhold certain things that are rewards or reinforcers so that they have high value. And then when he does engage uh, in conversation or at school in a topic that is not of great interest to him, then you just give him more of a reward, a bigger reward, right? And over time, his behavior will change. Um, and definitely he will, uh, our kids are smart and he will figure out that if I want the big reward, I have to talk about whatever it is, or I have to do my, uh, you know, math homework or whatever it is he's not interested in. So that's the simple version. The, the more kind of, I like to be able to think things through from the perspective of the child all the time. And so, and it helps us, I think, understand exactly what's going on and why isn't he? Because one of the things with our kids is that they do come across very egocentric, but they're not really egocentric in terms of personality. They're just very involved in their own world. Why is that? And we should talk about that because if, uh, you know, let's talk about your child and not being interested in talking about subjects that others are talking about or other certain subjects in communication, right? So let's say you go out to dinner with your friends and uh, someone starts talking about whatever, their golf game, and you start to get bored, but you're going to be polite and you're going to be willing to kind of listen and, and you know, uh, have a nice conversation and an exchange, and then you're going to switch to your conversation, your topic of interest, right? That's normally how social behavior goes. We take turns, right? Why do we do that? The reason we do that is because we can see things from the other person's perspective. We know that just like it's important to me to talk to you about, let's say my dogs, my pets, it's important for you to be able to have the opportunity to talk to me about golf, right? So I now need to be gracious and allow you to talk to me about whatever it is. And I will be, and I'll communicate with you. I won't just limit our conversation to dogs. So that is something that's missing in our kids. That's a thing they have a very hard time with is theory of mind, perspective taking. It's sort of the core of autism, which is the, the, our children have a difficult time understanding that other people uh, have different minds, different thoughts, different beliefs, different desires, different areas of interest, different whatever it is than their own. 
And so when they're talking about their own subject, it appears if they feel like it, sh it should be also of interest to you. They don't realize that this subject might be boring to you or you've heard enough about it. And I actually need to take turns and let you now talk about your subject of interest, right? So these are all very advanced cognitive things. And the more the uh, this is why part of the card curriculum that we've written has to do with just teaching the person to take another person's perspective. So now, depending on how, uh, what your level of functioning of your child is either, and you can do both of these things, either you are just rewarding the child when they speak about topic, you, you model, you prompt them and they communicate a little bit about, let's say golf, and now you reward that, right? And then that will gradually increase. But at the same time, I want you to try to start working on, in, on the area of perspective taking, because that whole area opens up a million different doors. Like our children learn to tell jokes. They learn that they can read other people's inferences. They can understand other people's emotions and beliefs and all that. And if you're interested in learning more about that and lessons to help your child see things, from someone else's perspective, which by the way, also significantly improves their social behavior altogether, then I would recommend that you look at skillsforautism.com, www.skillsforautism.com. That's our, that's our curriculum that we wrote years over many years. And you go into the uh, one curriculum that's called cognition. And in cognition, you'll see that it is social cognition and metacognition. And there's a lot of lessons having to do with teaching the child how to experience the world uh, from other people's perspectives. And I promise you, if the child gets good at those lessons, they will really understand that they need to talk about other subjects with other people and they'll be very much more flexible. There's also a flexibility section in, in another area of uh, executive functioning curriculum, which might also be helpful to your child. So absolutely. hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanna, since, uh, since we brought up skills, I wanna take a second to talk about what is being offered for free this week. Um, so get your pencils or pens ready, because at the end, I'm going to give you the phone number that you can call to take advantage of these three things. So Skills and IBT uh, have banded together to create free things to help you on your journey. Every week, there's something free. This week, uh, for ABA parents and guardians, they are continuing to offer their free IBT parent e-learning course, Parent tackling autism as a family, which is great uh, for a Thanksgiving uh, period of time. For the educators, if, you, if there are teachers that are out there that are interested, they're continuing to offer the IBT educator e-learning module, educator, the social environment. And that's available to teachers at no charge. They are also continuing to offer the RBT training course, uh, the 2.0 training course that beginning therapists take on their way to becoming a registered behavior technician. A parent can do that for free on a case-by-case -case basis. You have to call them and ask for them. So 
Um, I, I want to encourage you if it's a 40 hour course, it's a $440 value. You will be better prepared as a caregiver if you do that training. And then in addition to that, they're offering a, a continuing 10% discount on all skills products to anyone who calls and says that they heard about us on autism live. Just say Shannon told me to call and ask for the friends and family discount. Now here's the phone number that you need to call. Um, 877. 9754559 again that's 8779754559 and for those of you we've got a lot of people watching internationally right now if uh if it's not possible for you to call that number reach out to me by email s.penrod@autism-live.com and i will forward your email to the folks over at Skills and RBT. And while we're talking about this, Dr. Grampy-Shea, one of the things that we didn't talk about when we were talking about screen time is that all screen time is not equal. And there is an app that goes hand in hand. You can do it on its own, but you can also do it with the Skills account called Camp Discovery. And for our young learners that are learning, if, if you have any child that's trying to learn how to speak or trying to learn English, Camp Discovery is a great game. They won't know that they're having really great ABA therapy done on their iPad, um, but they'll be learning all kinds of things. Camp Discovery, all you have to do, it's free, free to the world. All you have to do is go and download the app either on Google Play or at the App Store and have your child play that. So, um, all right. Uh, having said that, again, phone number 877-975-4559. We have so many questions, but I want to, there, there is somebody who wrote in and said that they've been with CARD since April and that their child has made tremendous progress. And I hope he's still watching. They, uh, they, he was watching earlier and they wanted you to give a shout out to him. And of course, I'm not allowed to say names. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how we can do that. But if you would take just a second, Dr. Grampy-Shea, and say hello to him, because he's watching. Hello, and I'm so delighted that you're watching. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. I guess we could use first name. I, I, I guess that's okay. But I don't know. I don't know if we can. Uh, I, I hate to endanger somebody's right to privacy. So, uh, and they said, uh, somebody said, thank you so much. Yes, si se puede. We always say that here on the show because we can. Uh, all right. I, we, we've gotten a couple of questions specifically from the UK and one that came in last night that I don't know if you got it when I emailed it to you, Dr. Grampuche. It's really, really long, but there's a four-year-old in the UK. Um, they, their native language is not English. Um, they speak another language at home. Uh, but they are using broken English as much as that they as they can. He has started primary school. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to make the decision about whether it's time for him to go to school next year or not. The people at his primary school are telling her that if it, that if he goes to school next year, that it's game over because they'll never be able to help him. But she's a little bit lost. She lists a lot of things that he can do. And he's got a light of a lot of skills. He doesn't have a lot of behavior, but he is not really able to say a sentence yet. And she's very concerned about what she should be doing and should she be focusing on school? Okay, so I would honestly say I, um, 
I wouldn't worry about school too much. My, here's my feeling about school. Um, it is definitely a social environment. It's a more social environment, obviously, than being at home. Uh, first of all, this year is a very strange year. I don't know what it's like. I, the UK just shut down everything. So I don't think they're having in-person school, but you know, so at this point it's a non-question really. It's, there's no answer to this because you don't have a choice, but if you did, and if it was a matter of enrolling him, uh, in school, I would say hold back if you can just because the time that you have, and that's assuming that you're doing intensive ABA and those are the people advising you, I think. Um, I would spend another year doing more ABA. All it's, it, there's no harm being done. You can uh, begin socialization and social integration at five, at six, it doesn't matter but you'll never really get back the available time that you have right now to teach all the things you have to teach. Um, I often will ask parents, what you, you, when you say you don't know if school is more important, let me ask you, is it more important if your child knows how to do addition or speak? Which one do you think is more important? And you do know the answer to that when academics are important, but they're always secondary to the basic functions that we need, like communication, being able to communicate your needs, being able to describe things that happened uh, in the past or when others are not present, uh, being able to actually describe things well, uh, being able to talk about things that you wanna do or don't wanna do, be able to understand other people all the advanced language um, is always going to be more important than academics. So that is a given. Now what we're missing is social. And unfortunately, these days, because there's no actual school, you don't even have a social environment. So what I suggest is if you're in a location where it's possible, then enroll your child in some other social activities. Here in the States, we do we have kids gyms that are, provide a lot of social activity. There's a lot of group activities like, you know, games, uh, swimming, whatever camps, there's tons of things you can do where there's access to other kids, but look at it this way. The, the higher level of, of, uh, learning that your child has, uh, achieved, the more successful they're going to be when they go to school. Uh, if it's a child who can speak in full sentences, who can read other people's expressions, who's kind of learned a lot of the basics, they're going to be more successful uh, with other kids and in school. Whereas if it's a child who has problems still with like paying attention or sitting, learning a lot of material, talking in full sentences, all of these types of things, then, and you go to school, not only are you giving up a ton of really valuable hours, but you're, you're now actually exposing the child to a, a, an environment where he might fail. And I never want to, my kids to go through an experience where they're not, where they start to feel they're not good enough. I'm not able to do all the things these other kids are doing. So I kind of like the idea of making my child stronger before they go into that environment. 
I do want to mention that this uh, parent says that they don't actually have ABA, that they're doing ABA themselves with skills, uh, okay. which I'm, I'm glad to hear that they have skills and, um, I, you know, want to encourage them to take advantage of the IBT offer right now for the, um, the training um, to be able to do that. And please feel free to reach out for that. I also want to say um, that I know a lot of you are writing in your questions right now. We're not going to be able to get to all of them because so many people are writing in. I don't want you to think that we're ignoring you. We're just doing the best that we can here. Uh, okay, I've got another uh, person in the UK who says, my daughter is 16, undiagnosed, and no one will help us. Um, and none, and, and she says, none, no, none school attendance. Um, so she, I, I, I take that to mean that they're not attending school. 16-year-old. Yeah. Um, and that's a slightly, because we don't talk very much about skills living on this show, and we should talk more about that. We actually should. You're absolutely right. And again, for the, uh, first to kind of finish up with the other parents, I do want to say that um, if you're doing skills and that's leading your program, first of all, you know, bless you, big air hug, as Shannon would say, because <laughs> that's really impressive. Um, I, I would uh, get a group of people together to help. Hopefully you've done that. I don't think I, I it's honestly... I mean, I guess it's possible. There are a lot of parents who are very, very strong parents and can do this. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm doing what is called projection, you know, and I'm projecting and saying, there's no way I could do it. I, I don't think I could do a 40 hour program myself, but what I would really suggest is that you get a team of people uh, who can help you and they can all follow the skills curriculum with you. Uh, when we do therapy, it's always a team. There's never just one person, right? So we always have one lead person who's the supervisor. And then we have, let's say, three or four people who are the team, the behavior technicians. And they all, uh, they each do maybe to eight to 10 hours a week with the child so that the child is exposed to multiple people. That's important because we want our kids to, to generalize what they learn so that they can use it with lots of people and not just one person. And it also helps not burn out all these people. So especially if you're a private family doing this on your own, see if you can get help from, I don't know, nieces, nephews, cousins, neighbors, uh, people at the church, uh, just put together a group of volunteers. And, and we've done this multiple times with people. I've actually, one of our uh, kids who is an adult and is uh, may have just received his doctorate degree and uh, and is a international lecturer an extremely successful person uh, that's how he did that's how what his mom did his mom gathered a whole bunch of people from their town and they all provided therapy and we helped with the supervision so kudos to you get help. I don't want you to burn out. And I do want your child, if they're staying out of school, to really be packed with ABA because you really yeah. want to have benefit from that. And the, the skills living program that we were talking about yes. is designed specifically for uh, individuals who are older. And, right. and it's, it's so much more 
uh, comprehensive because there, there are so many different things and no one would use everything that's in it. Um, so you pick and choose what you would use, but it's, it's really good. Now, somebody has written in and said, can I post a link for the IBT training? I'm not able to do that because what it is is a bunch of modules. So you have to be set up with a license for the modules so that you can do it. So it does require that you call that phone number, which is 877-975-4559, or you email me at s.penrod at autism-live.com and I'll connect you. But I wanna give that parent a hug because they said, my son has zero services and we are struggling. I need to take matters into my own hands. In Connecticut, there are no service providers who will take our state insurance and keep denying us because I'm a master social worker student and not working because I'm a stay-at-home mom. So I really want to encourage you that IBT, RBT um, training will help you immensely to be able to help your child. And then, you know, should you decide that while you're being a student that you want to work, um, you know, everybody's looking for RBTs to hire. Are they not, Dr. Grampiche? Oh, my like gosh. That, yeah, There's absolutely. such a need right now. Yeah. Huge need, huge need and very valuable credential. And I don't want to uh, forget to answer the question of the parent of the 16-year-old. I do want to address that real quickly. Yeah, it's basically, yeah. it's the same situation wherever you are. If you're in you know, Connecticut or if you're in England, it doesn't really matter. Um, this is many, many years ago. The reason that we built out skills and IBT as two separate uh, companies, the reason we did that was for parents who don't otherwise have access to ABA providers. So essentially... Uh, and I'll quickly go through sort of uh, uh, the process and what it is. Um, so basically what you do is you first go on, um, well, you could go e either one. IBT is, a, uh, is an online portal of, of ABA procedures and protocols. So it's all the how do we do this? How do I do a discrete trial? How do I do random rotation? How do I do shaping and chaining and differential reinforcement? All these fancy ABA methods, that's in IBT. So if you go into IBT, Institute for Behavioral Training, and it's ibehavioraltraining.com, you go on there, what you'll see is a whole series of short trainings it starts with and they're wonderful wonderful quality trainings starting with what is autism and you know what is aba and how do i take aba and administer it to my child how do i handle a tantrum how do i uh teach using this creature and you name it there's lots and lots of modules you can select from and there's even packages that will actually get you through uh, to the point of what, let's say, an RBT does. RBT, by the way, stands for Registered Behavior Technician. There's another credential also called Board Certified Autism Technician. These are the two certificates that you receive after you've completed 40 hours of class time through IBT or through any other agency, and you've taken a national exam that uh, certifies you and says, you understand now the basics of, of what uh, ABA is. But these are just the procedures and with, with, you don't need the credential necessarily as a parent. It does help you, it's a deeper level. 
of understanding. So if you have the time, I highly recommend either one of those two credentials. And again, you can get them on IBT. Now that aside, you basically need to know the how to, but you also need to know exactly what your child needs. What are your child's specific needs? And every child is different. As you can see, lots of questions that we're getting. It's a two-year-old high functioning, four-year-old with severe delays, 16-year-old. This is all, autism is a huge spectrum, right? So what you should do then is you need to assess your child. You need to figure out what are my child's needs? And again, for that 16 year old who's undiagnosed, I assume that this is a high functioning individual, which is why they're not diagnosed. Don't worry, don't get hung up on the diagnosis. This is all about figuring out what does the individual need help with and how do we teach them? So basically you will now start with the assessment. You'll go to skillsforautism.com, right? Skillsforautism.com. On there, there, you start with an assessment and you answer questions about your child. And I, I, you know, it'll be a lot of questions. If you're an older individual, if you're, if your child is 16, you'll go, is it, is it the same website, Shannon, or is it a it is, and and I actually think it's it's slightly better if they'll call they call the phone number because they'll get the discount. Yes, and then they'll hook them up with the right one. Yes, uh, but it is the same website. It's just a matter of I think it's very easy to go into the wrong one off the website. So I advocate the phone number, which is again eight seven seven nine seven five four five five nine. And you say that you saw it on Autism Live. Yes. And so, because there are two skills there's, that we built. First, we built the regular skills, which right now I think is called skills developing. Mm -hmm. um, and then later we realized that there are so many skills for our children who have now aged a little bit and they're above the age of, of like 10. And so then we built uh, skills living which is um, for older individuals. And that goes all the way through adulthood. And there are different skills, right? Like a two-year-old or a five-year-old, I might teach them play. But for a 15-year-old, I might be focused more on dating, you know? So it, it's very different. So, uh, but both of them start with an assessment, which are a series of questions. Can your child do this or do that? Can this individual play appropriately with peers? Can this individual, uh, you know, go out to a restaurant with a date? Like whatever it is, the question, and you say yes or no. If you say no, then if you say yes, great, it'll, it'll track it, but it's just in the, in the group of lessons that are already mastered. If you say no, it'll go into kind of this area of, okay, these are all the things we now need to work on. And you end up with hundreds and hundreds of lessons that are, are to be taught now. And they're in different areas. Like for instance, for skills, uh, for children, the areas are language and social and cognitive and executive functions and play and academic, I mean, all these different areas. And so you end up with a series of lessons within each of these areas. And now it's a matter of how much time do you have to, to use those techniques that you learned in IBT? How many hours a day are you going to use those techniques with this content? 
So skills gives you the content, IBT gives you the process, the how-to, the protocols. And together, if you know how to, and now you have like a whole list of content that your child needs in order to get closer to their own age level, then you just start teaching. So, and, and skills puts it in the right order for you. So you'll never teach something advanced when a prerequisite skill has not been taught yet. And skills gives you great, great detail for the viewers who are already on skills, you know, that you get a massive amount of detail. Uh, it'll help you with IEP goals. It'll give you teacher goals. It'll give you all kinds of stuff that you need. So I highly recommend it for all of our parents who are watching, who need access to ABA. This is the way to do it. Wonderful. And I, you guys are writing in a bunch of questions. I want to remind you that what we, what, there were a bunch of things that were free on IBT and skills weekly. Um, this week it, cause somebody asked cause they missed it. Um, parent tackling autism as a family is that module is free on, um, skill on, excuse me, on IBT this week. Um, and the RBT 2.0 training, which is that it's many modules, it's 40 hours of training and, uh, it's like a $440 value that is free on a case by case basis. You have to call and tell them that you're a parent and that you want to do it. What they want to hear is that you're going to commit to do the whole thing. Um, they, they like to give it to people who can use it during COVID. Um, and so the number again to call for that is 877-975-4559. And somebody said, can we get access to the modules even if we're using another ABA company for therapy? And the answer is yes, um, because that is the right answer. So um, of course you can, please take the knowledge and use it in the way that will help you to help yourself or to help um, you help your child. And I love that they, that they are committed to that. Um, okay, I wanna get to a question. My little gets mad at the dog when it takes his toy and chews it up. My son bites the dog hard, so hard that the dog yelps. How can I help my son express himself and not bite the dog um, and he is four years old. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an easy intervention, but it involves you being present or someone being present whenever the child has access to the dog or vice versa. Uh, because basically, you know, what you cannot do is turn away, let the dog take the dog, take the child's, your child's uh, toy, chew it up. And then you try to either punish the dog or your child now has the opportunity to punish the dog. I mean, what he's doing is he's punishing the dog, basically. So what you need to do is, uh, first of all, try to prevent it from happening. And I know it's a, obviously that's an obvious answer and it's hard, right? But uh, where if your dog actually, first you try to avoid it because obviously it's not fair to the child. The dog is coming and taking away his toys, right? So that's your number one thing. Secondly, if that doesn't happen and the, the dog actually gets access to the toy, then basically you have to be there at that time to make sure that you prevent your child from biting the dog and you give him the words that you would use to punish the dog. And I don't know how your, uh, you know, every family is a little bit different in terms of how they 
try to uh, manage the behavior of their pets. So assume that maybe you are a family that would use a, a newspaper rolled up to uh, smack the, the nose of the dog, which is like a typical way that uh, we're taught to, to manage our pets. Uh, then you teach your child to do that and you teach your child, you model for your child the appropriate behavior that would replace the biting, um, whatever that appropriate behavior might be. Model it a few times, reward the child, get him another toy. Um, and, you know, just make sure, though, that you are able to replace that chewed toy. Because here's the thing, when you when the dog chews the toy, your child has lost a reinforcer, right, immediately. Now you're trying to teach him something new. You better have a, a reinforcer that you can offer, which is just as powerful. Otherwise, he's just not going to learn because, you know, he's he's somebody just took away his reinforcer and it wasn't replaced. So make sure you have the ability to give him a, a new toy of equal value for actually doing the right thing and for actually, uh, you know, telling the dog not to do it again. Great. Um, uh, I, I so appreciate that. And so somebody has written in and said... If we go to RBT 2.0, will it tell us what we need to do? Let me read exactly what they said. Will it tell us what we need to do if we want to continue to get the credential so that we can pursue it as a career? Um, and yeah. and what, I, what I love is that somebody else posted for that parent a link to the BACD.com, which tells you what the requirements are for the RBT. So that... <laughs> Yeah, a parent you, took care of that for us. Yeah, you absolutely uh, can. I mean, so the way that it works is that you can basically uh, get your basic training, which is less than the RVT. Uh, then you can go ahead and extend that basic training and get your actual RVT. And then you can apply to a lot of places for a job. Now, here's what's very cool. IBT, the organization that we're talking about, uh, Institutes for Behavioral Training, they actually will also help get you a job if you're interested. So what they do now is they will give you the training and that and the training will be uh, kind of free to you if you go and work for an organization that's partnering with them. They have a lot of partnering organizations, including CARD, so uh, wherever you are, you should get on the phone with someone at an IBT and say, I'm kind of interested in doing the RBT. And they will tell you if they have a vacant spot in your area with any organization. And that way you can actually train with them, take your exam and go straight and you'll have a job. And, and again, that phone number is 877-975-4559. And here's an extra added plus um, because there, there are other places that you can do the RBT. Um, but what I love about at IBT is that when there, because there's another distinction too, besides an RBT, a registered behavior technician, there's one that's a, a board certified autism technician. 
And some companies need that designation. Um, but when you do the RBT 2.0, you're doing the requirement, the online requirement for both of them at the same time. And a lot of them, you can't say that. Um, so I'm a big fan of it for that reason as well. Okay, I wanna shift to, my son is seven and diagnosed with high functioning autism, ADHD and anxiety. He has trouble regulating his emotions and relating to others. What do you recommend? Should, and they're saying, should I find a local card office? Oh, it's so hard when you have kind of the combination of those three and it is more and more common, I will say. Um, yeah, well, you could do, you don't necessarily need to find a card office. That would be great if we are in your area, clearly we can help. But you can, you should probably start with an assessment. I feel like using the skills assessment to kind of identify exactly what's going on with your child and what their needs are is your first step. Um, and, you know, so there's different, let's talk about each of those things. Uh, with autism, you are going to be lacking and it's high functioning autism. So your child's going to be behind on advanced skills. And those are things like cognition, you know, that thing that I was talking about in regards to being able to take other people's perspective, uh, understanding other people's desires and beliefs and goals and all that. Um, you're also going to have some issues with executive functions. So problem solving, planning, those types of things. And you're probably also going to have some deficits in the social area. So just social communication, uh, being able to go back and forth and interact with peers and know how to behave in different social environments, all of those areas. So once you do the skills, uh, assessment, for your child, you get a load of lessons within those areas and anything else he might be missing, by the way. So, you know, whether it's language or academic or, or fine motor, gross motor, it doesn't matter, it's all there. So you'll have the ability to have kind of a list of lessons at least, and, and that will help with uh, all the issues that could possibly be resulting from the autism diagnosis. Now. The ADHD diagnosis would lead to hyperactivity, perhaps. I don't know which type of um, ADHD, if it's a hyperactive type or inattentive type or a combined. There's three types of ADHD. Uh, assuming that there's hyperactivity, I promise you that when you get into an ABA program, it'll help because it really structures and regulates your child's environment. Um, it, but if it's an excessive amount of hyperactivity, you will need to see a physician, a psychiatrist or a developmental pediatrician who will be able to uh, help you with medical help as well. With ADHD, if it's very severe, the inattentive type of ADHD, a lot of the ABA lessons will really help. But severe hyperactivity, and I have seen children with severe hyperactivity, it's extremely hard for them to sit for a minute to learn. Um, they are just fleeting all the time, running back and forth, and it's really hard for them to focus. And medication does help with that. So, and there's very good medications now for that. So I would, uh, for the ADHD portion, your, your way to go is not just ABA, but perhaps seeking out medical help as well. 
uh, so that there's a combination of, you know, there's a, a medication like Adderall or Ritalin or even more advanced ones where your child is calming down enough and now the ABA is effective and is helping teach. For the anxiety, you'll need a combination of what's called cognitive behavior therapy and perhaps medication. It depends on the level of anxiety. By the way, the issue that you'll have is that some of the medications for ADHD actually make anxiety worse. So you sort of need to see a psychiatrist who's going to really work with you, really understand your child's issues, and then also help you interact with an ABA organization so that you can get the ongoing ABA, but also some help with medications that'll help your child calm down a little bit and perhaps pay better attention and not be as anxious. Medications for anxiety are antidepressants. They work for anxiety. And so you, you really would need to consult with a psychiatrist and as well as get in, involved with a, um, an autism ABA program. And can I, because we, we've had many questions that I haven't gotten to yet about um, biomedical, but especially for people whose kids are um, exhibiting ADHD, there's a large growing school of thought about making sure that you reduce the level of pesticides in their diet. Um, just want to throw that out there that well, you know, and I'm glad you said that, Shannon, because we do see a lot of hyperactivity in kids, which is is suddenly improved when diet is changed. It's it's not you know pesticides, but also food coloring, sugar, yeah. of course, uh, anything that you're allergic to. All of those types of things can make uh, hyperactivity increase. There we go. Uh, and perhaps soon we'll talk more about that, but this is probably our last question. Hello, beautiful ladies, Dr. Doreen, what's, what's good one-on-one -on -one therapy for comprehension in California? ABA. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's no question. So with ABA, you are really learning comprehension of, of different things. There's, you know, there's everything from reading comprehension to listening comprehension to, and, and it starts at a basic uh, level and it goes to very, very advanced. So uh, if you find a good ABA program like CARD, uh, you'll definitely do a lot of work on comprehension. And, and I happen to know that this is a CARD parent. And okay. so if they, a good friend of ours, and I, and I just want to say, if you would like help knowing which lessons to go back and during your caregiver collaboration to talk about, let us know because we can help you to know what to ask for. Um, so anyway, I, I, we're, we're just about out of time here, but many more. First of all, I want to say hello to the folks from Pakistan who have written in. Um, and we've got folks from France watching as well. So I just wanted to shout out to everybody that's there. And I love how you guys are talking on Facebook about how to get a BCAT, how to get an RBT and the difference between the two. I love it when you guys talk to each other, but I especially love um, Amanda, who is a big fan of skills and RBT says um, that she was offered a job in Miami before she moved. I absolutely love that. So I wanna thank everybody for, my clocks are saying two different times, but yes, we are out of time. So I wanna thank, first of all, Dr. Grampy Shea for being here. 
and and what a thrill it was. This fast moving. We did not get to all the questions, but we got to most of them. We won't have you back here live next week. So I just wanted to say how grateful I am for you. Oh, thank you. And I am for you, Shannon. I love you very much. And I love you very much. And I love all of our viewers and all these amazing people who show up to help their kids and kids around the world. So uh, thank you so much and happy Thanksgiving to Dr. Grant Pichet. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we're back tomorrow. Tomorrow is the very special recipe show. We're just doing Thanksgiving recipes here, um, especially for those of you who may or may not be on a restricted diet. Like, you know, how do you make the gluten-free, casein-free pumpkin pie? We're taking it all apart. We've been doing this for years and we've, we've found some good recipes. So uh, we're also going to make the recipes available on our Facebook page. I don't know how to do that on YouTube. So um, tune in tomorrow for that. And don't forget on Friday, we're here with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy and licensed marriage and family therapist Vince Redmond is going to be here to talk about all the stress, <laughs> you know, and how do we reduce that. But anyway, uh, and more of your questions and news on Friday. We're out of time, but until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.